so welcome to the Genius Journal podcast. Um, today I'm talking all about procrastination. Um, this week's Genius Guide has been on the topic of procrastination, you know, why it happens, what's going on, um, and how we can take action to actually reduce and minimize it once we understand what's going on. So what I'm talking about with this is really what I wanted to discuss first is procrastination is probably a little bit misunderstood. If I'm honest. Um, procrastination doesn't mean that you're lazy or you're a bad person or you don't care about things or you're not motivated. Um, when we, what we need to understand about procrastination is it's actually an emotional regulation um, issue. So what I mean by emotional regulation is that we obviously understand that we really like to be in a calm, steady state. We don't like to have a lot of things disrupt our current, you know, disrupt the status quo. So when we experience procrastination, it is because there's been a dis an interruption in the steady status quo um, sort of sensations that you're having and the mood that you have. So if you can imagine your sort of mood status quo as being disrupted by something, so you've sort of a task that you don't particularly want to do, or you've sort of a perceived outcome that you're quite scared about, maybe it's an exam or a presentation or a pitch or something like that. And that's caused a sort of very acute mood drop. So if you can imagine a graph, like the lines going along, you're perfectly happy, and then you have that thought or you're given that task or you think about that thing that you need to do. And instantly that line starts dropping because your mood's starting to drop with the association with the task or with the perceived outcome. And so when the task or activity causes this mood drop, what we instantly want to do and what our bodies and our minds want to do is bring us back to that nice happy place we were in before we thought about the task or the activity that we don't particularly enjoy. <clears throat> so it's interesting with this to look at how our brains are wired for what's called present bias. So what I mean by present bias is where that we're more concerned with the here and now um, than what might potentially happen in future. Um, and it, it's so, so prevalent here in procrastination because when you think about it, you knowingly you do procrastinate, knowing full well that tomorrow it's going to be even worse and to the day after that the deadline's going to be even closer. And so the stress is building and you're thinking, this is so illogical, like why am I knowingly doing this, knowing that I'm going to get more and more and more stressed as the deadline gets closer and closer or the pressure from my boss gets more and more or the, the task just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more and more overwhelming. So this present bias is what is kicking in here. And so that concern with the here and now is being um, prioritized over the future you. And the reason why is obviously when you think about it, your body and your mind needs to be really dealing with what's happening just now. That is its job. You know, it can't deal or change or sort anything that's going to happen in the future. So when you think about these tasks that are going to have outcomes or, or things that are going to happen as a result of them, that is more putting your mind into a future state and viewing sort of this future you um, who's going to be incredibly stressed and who's going to be even more wound up and overwhelmed by the task because we've been procrastinating. But the difficulty is that our brain kind of treats that future you a bit like a stranger. So the you just now having this acute mood drop, this very quick drop in mood, it's going, I need to correct this. I need to make this, I mean, you need to make this better. I need to feel better. And so it does any activities that it can find and these habit loops that have developed to boost that acute mood back up, delivering the reward of you feel better again. However, the future you, that stranger in your mind's eye, 
um, is having a bit of a mental breakdown because now the deadline is even closer and you've watched three episodes of something on Netflix and now those three hours have disappeared and now you've got even less time to complete the task you need to do. But because of this present bias, your mind is really preoccupied and prioritizing what's happening here and now and really sort of ignoring the needs of that stranger, that future you. Um, and so this is how procrastination sort of happens. You can probably understand this is what is going on. Um, and this is why our physiology and our psychology is affecting us so much in this um, area. As you're probably aware as I'm speaking as well, there is a role that habits play in this. So habit loots do play a role in procrastination um, and it's quite interesting to just sort of unpick that um, just quickly step by step to just really um, illustrate exactly what's going on. So for example um, you have um, the cue for example is something that's come up so a pitch that you've got to do or a talk that you've got to do or a task that you don't really like doing has been assigned to you um, and so you then your internal state then becomes a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit anxious about the perceived anxiety about the task it hasn't happened yet you're not doing the task yet um, and the outcome certainly hasn't happened yet but there is a perceived um, anxiety around how that task is going to go it's going to be difficult hard I'm not going to enjoy it it's going to be boring or the outcome is going to be stressful then I'm going to have to do the pitch then I'm going to have to sit the exam then I'm going to have to do these things um, and so that cue causes this acute anxiety this mood drop the action then is a procrastination activity that triggers in to go and try and alleviate that initial that very acute anxiety that's been caused so this can be you know Netflix pairing socks cleaning the fridge whatever it might be um, to try and mediate and bring that mood back to that normal status quo that nice status quo where we like to be all of the time and so this um, rise in mood is the reward you feel calmer you receive a momentary sense of relief and this is enough to create and reinforce a habit that's the reward that's delivered you feel better so you can see over time the more and more times you procrastinate the more and more times you repeat these habit loops and you emotionally regulate in the moment um, this reinforces the habit because you know that that behavior the Netflix cleaning you know cleaning the fridge doing something else distracting yourself gives you a sense of calm in the acute moment in the present moment so what's going on so what i want you to imagine just now is a battle scene okay <laughs> you've got what's called the procrastination battle and on one side you have the approach motives army um, and they're the things that are pushing you to do it okay so these are things that can be both extrinsic so for out with you that are impacting on you so these can be rewards um, praise um, the sort of things that are going to make your environment easier to be in and they're going to relieve pressure um, sort of these external things you know they can be monetary um, rewards or bonuses and things like that that are used to incentivize behavior um, but there can also be intrinsic so extrinsic is impacting on you from outside and intrinsic is coming from you inside and of the two extrinsic and intrinsic intrinsic is way more powerful so if you can imagine so you've got your approach motives and some extrinsic ones might be that you you have a deadline, okay? The deadline, the thing has to be in by that particular time. That is something that is, it is impacting on you. Um, you're also gonna receive some sort of praise from your boss maybe, that's coming, uh, being impacted on you. Um, the other thing is that you're gonna get a bonus as a reward for this. So that is again being given to you. 
Um, however, the intrinsic ones that might be driving your behavior and making you want to do the task might be that it is something inherently that you love doing. Um, it might be something that is really aligned with your mission, with your core values, with where you want to be going, um, with your vision of, of the job that you want or the career progression that you want or the promotion that you want. And you know that doing this task is in inextricably linked with that and that is inherent and intrinsic to you. And so that motivator is really, really powerful and will drive you maybe much more than the bonus that you're going to get. Um, so way it, where these approach motives play a part is that they, um, they're driving you in different ways um, and the intrinsic ones are certainly more powerful than the extrinsic. The next side, if you can imagine the battle, we've got the soldiers on one side, or the approach motives, and then we've got on the other side uh, are the aversion motives. So these have the same extrinsic and intrinsic qualities, um, but again, the intrinsic ones are really, 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 really powerful. And these aversion motives are the things that are acting either on you or coming from you that are delaying or causing you to not want to do the thing. Um, so if you can imagine some extrinsic ones might be you're in a peer group of people where, you know, working overtime and working extra, it's not something that's valued. And so you feel that external impact on you is that they're all out having fun and you're the one that's trying to, um, you know, sit at your desk and, and finish that thing. Or if it's revising, you know, all your mates are the ones that are playing out. They're not particularly... Um, engage in their studies and you're the one that's trying to sit there and study that's going to be an extrinsic motivator that's going to be an aversion motive so it's going to be dissuading you from sitting and doing the task um, but really the most potent thing here and one of the, the biggest thing that underlines um, you know procrastination is the intrinsic ones and so these this is the perceived fear of failure as a result of this task or the perceived fear of not being good enough um, uh, in the outcome. And so the, the intrinsic motives, uh, aversion motives are, you know, fear of failure, there's self-doubt, there's imposter syndrome, there's a lack of self-belief, self-confidence. Um, and, and these are the things that can hold you back because, you know, going and diving into a task that you do find difficult will then bring up all of these intrinsic um, thought patterns and um, different thoughts that you have that are linked with I'm maybe not good enough to do this or I find this difficult because I'm stupid or I'm really struggling with this and I'm going to totally just flunk on the exam or I'm going to ruin the pitch or I'm going to be really nervous and terrible at it. And so because of these aversion motives, that is the thing that's actually avoiding you sitting and doing the task because of that perceived outcome or that perce perception of the task. Um, and that's what's stopping you from sitting down and maybe doing the revision, writing, doing the pitch because because of these fears, because of these psychological, emotional fears and these emotions that are coming up for you that are particularly uncomfortable to sit with. Um, and so these things are sort of the things that will always try and get in the way and there'll be the little niggly voices in your head that'll mean that you go and clean out the fridge rather than finish the pitch. So what are we doing? So the two ways to sort of think about this and the two approaches and the ways that you can actually take action against this is looking at are you avoiding the task or are you avoiding the outcome? And your tactics for dealing with each of these will be quite different. So if you've identified, say, for example, you step back for a minute and you go, do you know what? I think I'm actually avoiding the task here. Um, and this can be because the task is something you dislike. It's boring. It's time consuming. It's not your skill set. It's something you find really, really tricky to do. Um, and it, it's just going to be incredibly difficult. OK, um, then these are the things that you want to try and take some actions to maybe 
look at is there a way that you can remove the task altogether uh, the, use the procrastination as a signpost of something that's just not your skill set and maybe if it's at work or something like that could there be a way that you could collaborate with somebody else where it is something that they actually really enjoy doing um, is there a way that you can eradicate it remove it or even just batch it into time and just like do batches of time where you do these tasks that you don't really like doing but don't let them trickle through your whole day because then you can see that if you trickle these these tasks throughout your day your mood is going to take periodic drops and that's going to be quite an exhausting thing to sort of regulate your mood whereas if you just agree to just do all of those tasks that you don't really particularly enjoy doing they are a bit boring but you need to do them um, put them all in a batch of time at once and so you just have one mood drop that you can then come out the other side of um, rather than it periodically throughout the day um, one of the big things with where you find you're avoiding the task is that it's too big and you're getting overwhelmed by just the sheer scale of the amount of work that you have to do. So a great thing you can do with this is breaking down a big task into smaller chunks. And in addition to that, what you can do is you can also boost the rewards. So have each of the milestones in that big task have a reward at the end of each one. So these rewards will boost your mood, will keep you going and keep motivating you to move forward. Again, remember this procrastination battle. Once we know what what um, different things are going on in, in each um, army, we can look at bolstering our approach motives and reducing our aversion motives in a very like tactical, practical way. And so what you're doing by uh, breaking down the task is you're removing one of those aversion motives, which could be that you get overwhelmed and therefore you get stressed. So by breaking it down to small manageable chunks, you're reducing that aversion motive. Um, but by boosting the reward, what you're also doing is you're boosting the approach motives that are going to help drive you through and push you through to do the task. Another thing you can do with the task is you can actively reflect on the link between that given task and the larger mission in hand. So maybe that pitch that you're going to have to do is the first time you've done a pitch and yes, you will be nervous about it. But if this is a way of progressing you forward to your dream job that you have, this potential um, job that you're going to be doing where you know it's, it's your absolute dream, it, but it's a couple of promotion things ahead, then think about what are some of the ways that I can make a conscious link between this task that I don't really enjoy doing and my future goal that I have uh, and the larger mission that I have in my mind in the future and making that conscious connection can just make all the difference and again that is actually activating a very very powerful approach motive an intrinsic approach motive remember these are the really potent ones um, that are really going to help motivate you and push you through and reinforce that army on the approach side to help push you through to get the task done Another thing that you can do is um, with that intrinsic um, aversion motive, so those that army that is telling you not to do the thing, um, those intrinsic ones that come from you can be that sort of self-doubt, that sort of self-talk that you have. You, you know, you're not going to be good enough for this. You always find this hard. You're rubbish at spreadsheets or you're rubbish at PowerPoint or whatever it might be that you're saying to yourself. Um, it can be to acknowledge the struggle and just commit to doing your best. So acknowledging the bits of it that you struggle and actually identifying and going, yeah, do you know what I do struggle with? PowerPoint but I'm going to push through and I might be able to pull in a few other people to help you know to help me um, who are good at making the slides look really good or whatever um, and just acknowledging the struggle can be part of that really reducing that aversion motive um, quite a lot so that can really help too um, make efforts to improve the skills in the relevant areas as well so really make efforts that if it is something that is just a skill lacking but you actually really want to develop that skill because you know that in the grand scheme of things it's going to be really linked with you being able to achieve your your true goal or outcome um, make you know concerted efforts and take a action to actually improve those skills in that area and this will make the task less difficult um, and then in that way what you're going to find is that you're actually 
more um, inclined to to do these tasks more often because you find them easier because you've built the skill set. Next thing you want to think about is outcome. So is, is it the perceived outcome that you are stressing about or worried about or that's causing the mood drop, causing the anxiety? Um, the important word to remember here is perceived. So the outcome hasn't happened yet. You know, procrastination doesn't happen after the event. It happens way before you even sit down and do the task or even before the outcome. But it's your perception of how the outcome is going to um, unfold is the thing that's going to cause you to procrastinate. So basically what we need to do is think about, okay, what are what is the perceived outcome that I'm creating here? Um, what is it that I am thinking is going to happen? And why is that making me anxious? And the next question to ask is, is that actually what could happen? Um, and sometimes what we find is we've gone to the worst case scenario automatically. Um, and that anxiety that that has caused is then causing us to procrastinate. Um, so thinking about some tips for this means that what you can do is, you know, shift your focus. So at the moment, you know, thinking, I'm focusing actually here on like the worst case scenario. I want to actually shift this to actually to something that is is possibly more likely to be the outcome here. Um, and a way to do this is you can think about past experiences in which you've succeeded. So maybe you've got a tricky customer email or a tricky email to write or a tricky conversation to have with your boss or a tricky conversation to have with a colleague, um, for example, and you're going, this is going to go badly. This is going to go really, really bad. Like this is, this is going to be awful. I'm going to be so uncomfortable. The most incredible thing to do is think about past experiences where you've succeeded. Think about other difficult conversations that you've had and how many times you find yourself having wound yourself up into a frenzy about something when actually once you've done it, you're like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And they didn't think the things that they thought they thought. And, um, you know, all of those things that I thought might happen didn't happen. And so thinking about past experiences can really bring beautiful, beautiful perspective on exactly what is the perceived outcome that you've created in your head. And is that actually going to be a true representation of what could possibly happen? Um, and so thinking about these things and thinking about you know, past experiences where you've succeeded um, can be really, really important to, to have a look at. And the another thing is reframing. So thinking like, OK, can I look at this and can I imagine this going really well and thinking about what that outcome looks like? Um, so, you know, thinking, you know, okay, so that pitch that I've got to do, what would it look like if it went amazingly? Like, how would that be? You know, how exciting would that be? What skill set would I have gained? What experience would I have gained? And, and this can really, really help. Um, and again, remembering that in the moment when you're having this sort of anxiety about the outcome, it is this present bias that's kicking in. Okay. So the procrastination is being caused because presently you're feeling quite anxious about it. So a way that you can take conscious control in reducing that anxiety is the perceived outcome that's causing it. You can change it into a positive. So think about that and think about flipping this and thinking, how can I make the perceived outcome actually a positive thing? How can I you know, link it to my sort of overall mission and where I want to be and what I want to do and what I want to achieve? Um, and can, that can make a huge, just a very huge difference. So you turn an aversion motive actually into an approach motive because you're like, this is a learning experience. This is an, out, this is an outcome where if I get through this, I'm going to be that much better at doing pitches or I'm going to be that much better at achieving the thing that I want to achieve and moving forward. Um, and part of this as well that's important is um, the, the need for self-compassion. So in the moment when we're having this negative self-talk, it's to think, okay, 
if I was if, if I was hearing somebody else saying this about themselves, what would I be telling them? And if any of you are parents or any of you are in management positions and you're nurturing others or you have friends that have had tough times and have really sort of down talked themselves or said, I can't do this and I can't do that. Um, what has been your immediate um, go to to jump to their aid? It's been to tell them like to be kind to themselves and like don't beat themselves up and don't be so hard on themselves. And, you know, they've done all this before and they can definitely do it again. And they've got the qualities that they need to be able to succeed at this. And so but unfortunately, what we do ourselves is we don't really um, give ourselves the same self-talk. So think about being having self-compassion. Think about being kind to yourself and think about what kind of things can you say to be kind to yourself and alleviate some of those self-doubt and some of that self-worry um, that you're having in the moment. Um, and that can really, again, really help. It can really reduce those approach, uh, those um, aversion motives that are really pushing you back and it can actually turn into an approach motive again, thinking about the positive outcome that could come from this and how you have the skills to be able to deal with it. Um, another great tool can be to be curiously active. So what I mean by being curiously active is considering all the possible outcomes, which I've already talked to you about, but also being active. So if you're finding it's really difficult and those aversion motives are really kicking in and you really don't want to do it, think about what if I just did 10 minutes? What if I just made a start? And I'm sure a lot of us can relate that nine times out of 10, once we've started it, it's actually not as bad as we thought, or it's not as big a monster as we thought it was going to be, or big a project as we thought it was going to be. So sometimes what you can do is like, you know, make a quick list, or if it's a big project, like break it down into sections, or just do a brain dump, you know, just dump all of the ideas and thoughts that you're having about that particular thing that you need to do, get it all down on paper and start making some sort of sense and order of it. And that can really, really help just that alleviate that overwhelm and um, reduce that, that pattern that you're going to have of um, um, basically psyching yourself out. So finally, just thinking to come around to some habits and thinking, okay, so remembering that procrastination is a habit loop. It is this acute emotion drop, emotional mood um, drop that happens. And to regulate that, what your body and what your brain has managed to do is create a habit loop of behavior that delivers a reward and that feeling of ease and that calm um, to that to that very acute experience that you're having in the moment where the anxiety hits. And then you want to just, you know, make yourself feel better. So thinking about the ways that you can play with the the habit loop so the cue response reward cycle um thinking of cues particularly so if you have cues that um trigger you to procrastinate so say that your cue is that you're given a big job or a big task to do and you instantly get overwhelmed and catastrophize about how badly it's going to go um sometimes thinking um about you know with those cues is think about a way that you can reframe those kind of tasks happening and think about okay it is a big project but i've dealt with these before so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go and like just list everything out rather than sitting overwhelmed and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh my God I can't do this. Um, do, you know, be curiously active. Think, OK, what can I do right now? What what if I could just brain dump all those ideas down just now? Another thing to be important to think about with cues is that um, there can be distractions that have very potent cues. And certainly when you're in a mood where you want to procrastinate, where you do want that mood regulation to kick in, distractions seem all the more attractive. So the notifications on your phone, social media, having your phone nearby you, um, being in a room with the telly on can cause you to be more distracted because you're in a mood or you're in that emotional mood drop. Uh, and so distractions can be all the more potent. So removing those distraction cues around you will also help reduce the, the procrastination or the tendency to want to procrastinate with your common activities. Um, 
the thing with the response within the um, procrastination habit loops is the response is one that delivers that sense of calm that like, oh, this is, I feel better, I feel better. I'm avoiding doing the task or the, the um, potential outcome. So think about what some of your common procrastination activities are. Know what they are and be aware of them and be aware of when they're happening. So um, we just had our genius call um, yesterday and everyone was laughing because I was saying that I'm, I don't mind cleaning my house and I do it consciously when it needs to be done. But when I'm doing it, when it doesn't really need to be done, I know that I'm procrastinating. And um, common procrastination activities are sort of like cleaning, tidying, um, like just like doing stupid jobs that actually don't need to be done right now but I'm just doing them to avoid having to do the thing that I don't want to do um and so knowing what your common procrastination activities are and identifying when you're doing them means that you can actually take uh, conscious action to observe okay I'm doing I'm procrastinating right now because I'm cleaning the cooker like when it doesn't need cleaned um and go okay well this is a common procrastination activity and what you can do is obviously you can just decide that do you know it's it's mediating some of that mood drop right now so I'm going to do it for like 10 minutes and then I'm going to go back to sit and do the tasks that I meant to do because remembering that it has it does serve you in some way it does reward you in some way with a bit of a mood boost which let's face it when we're in a better mood we can do better work or we can get on with these these tasks if we're feeling in a bit more of a better mood so sometimes just doing the response for maybe like 10 minutes or 15 minutes allowing yourself the space to do something for 10-15 minutes and then go back to the activity um, can be a really good way of using the, the response to deliver a smaller reward but a good reward um, to help you um, but just putting a time cap on it can be the best thing but also being aware of what your procrastination activities are and then you can sort of in the moment realize oh I'm procrastinating because the thing that happens with habits is that you just find yourself doing them and you don't really know how you ended up here and then before you know it you're in the activity and you're doing it and you're like oh gosh I've been procrastinating for 45 minutes I didn't realize I've watched like two episodes of Friends um so just acknowledging that when you're doing that and in the moment um, being able to curb it stop it do it for 10 minutes and then stop um, can be a really great way of just sort of curbing procrastination habits um, and thinking of the rewards so um, thinking about reducing the effectiveness of the reward gain through procrastination um, so the reward is obviously that sense of calm but then obviously the future you is actually pulling your hair out because you've lost two hours watching some series um, and um, you really should have been working on that pitch so reducing the effectiveness of the reward um, you can actually you know have try and reduce the attractiveness of the response um so not allowing it to give you that reward um but equally you know boosting rewards for the behavior that you do want to see so when it's coming to getting sat down and doing that pitch and you've broken the task down maybe into smaller chunks and at each of those milestones when you've achieved that little section you give yourself a reward that will encourage the behavior that you want to see over the procrastination behavior so using um, rewards to sort of supercharge your efforts when you're trying to overcome procrastination can be a really great tool as well so that just gives you a bit of an overview of procrastination. We've covered a hell of a lot in there. Um, we do cover this in the uh, Genius Journal Genius Guide um, and we dip into this a lot more, tons more journaling articles and examples that there are for um, 
uh, how to overcome this and some really great questions for you to answer in the guide. So um, if you are interested in joining Genius Journals, um, this is just a sample of some of the stuff that we're covering every week in our Genius Guides. Um, it is an online community. It is a journaling exercise. It is articles. It is personal development. Um, it's all these things combined at a very reasonable price of just a pound a day. So if you're looking for something that's going to help develop you, help you overcome procrastination, be more organized, be less stressed, uh, have a better night's sleep, um, have better boundaries, better work-life boundaries, um, then the Genius Guides are probably for you. And the Genius Journal um, community is a definitely a beautiful place to spend some time and um, be inspired and be motivated and um, yeah, really sort of work on your personal development and develop different parts of your life to, to help you uh, eventually one day live your dream day. Um, so if you are interested, check out the link in the comments uh, uh, section and uh, get in touch. And I uh, hope you're all having a great week and uh, we look forward to chatting. Next week, we're covering um, Zone of Genius, which is a very fascinating topic and something that's very close to my heart. So I look forward to seeing you guys then. Hi everyone, so I'm just here to tell you a little bit more about the Genius Journals. Um, you've probably heard me mention them a few times in the podcast, so I thought I would just give you a bit of an overview of what it's all about. So basically, it is a foundational course in bite-sized manageable daily lessons where I teach you what I call the house skill set. This is a series of tools, skills, insights and knowledge that's going to help you take an idea and turn it into an executable action. Reason being for this is because I've seen it so many times people go to events and read books and listen to podcasts and go to great lengths to learn loads and loads and loads of things and then never actually implement any of it. So what you'll learn in the journals is exactly how to do this. In addition to that, we've got a wonderful online community. We've got lively video calls. We also do a weekly workshop and we've just got that group support from a really supportive community of people who are also doing exactly the same thing, um, pursuing their dreams, making change happen um, and supporting others along the way. So if you're interested at all, click the link in the show notes and we look forward to meeting you soon.